2: 95.1 FMN AM760 in Hawaii. I'm joined by Armani Buckets and Brandon Deutsch. Armani Buckets, how are you doing, my friend? The sun is out. It is
3: summertime. The only thing. Thing that I dislike about this time of year and I mentioned this last week. Every freaking day, it's a contradicting report from an NBA reporter. DeAndre Aiden apparently now is staying in Phoenix according to Chris Haynes. Damian Lillard who knows? Did you guys see the uh, the Welcome to Miami playing in the background of his Instagram <laughs> live? Did you yeah. see that?
2: I think he likes to tease people out there. Remember when he was doing the thing where he's like, uh, like am I going to the Lakers or whatever? I think, yeah, oh, I think yeah. he likes to likes to troll us with that i'm not sure yeah i think so too but
3: you know what it makes it exciting it just uh, like can something happen already it's it's so much back and forth back and forth and it feels like it could drag out for a while so i hope not i hope we get some resolution to all these things in the near future yeah brandon
1: yeah, no, doing well. Um, you know, it's a dead period for basketball, I feel like right now, even though free agency starts in a few weeks. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, baseball's a full go. Both the Angels and Dodgers struggling a little bit right now, although the Dodgers have won a few uh, games recently, put them back in the race, but they're still in third place. Angels in third place. It just kind of seems like, you know, we're at this point where the all-star breaks in a few weeks. Both of these teams need to start winning. You know, you know, with the magic numbers, you want to be five to ten games up at the all-star break at least. And this year in the American League, you want to be closer to ten because there's a huge race. But the Dodgers are in a much better position than the Angels right now.
2: Yeah. Um, it was just kind of interesting, by the way. Like, well, let's talk about it now. Uh, what were you thinking as you're watching them score 23 runs in the first quarter? four ratings listen they finished the game leading 25 to 3 but 24 23
1: yeah. in four yeah. ratings? crazy it was definitely a great experience and i don't want to sugarcoat anything it's something you know my dad's been a fan for over 60 years you know and he that was the the, the most runs he'll ever see them score in a game most yeah. likely uh and it was a good experience father-son experience at the same time, I mean, it meant nothing. They lost the series, two out of three. Yeah. I mean, it's just an embarrassment. They need to make changes. Something needs to happen because this is their last year to contend. They're going to lose Otani unless they win the World Series or at least get far. They've made a couple of moves, so at least they're pulling the trigger on that. But the, the, the schedule doesn't get any tougher. They lost the game in Kansas City, one of the worst teams in the league, and they lost two games to Colorado in Colorado. And yeah. it's like... That's not a bit that's I said it a couple weeks ago that they're playoff they're not gonna make the playoffs. I'll call it right now. They're not going to. They're just not. They can't win the games they're supposed to win.
2: That's what playoff teams need to do. Yeah, it's just been frustrating. It's very um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? Uh okay, listen, we didn't really get a chance to talk about the draft again. We had the Legends of Sports Friday show on Friday following the draft on Thursday. So I think this is the day where we kind of dig into the draft. Um So let's first start here, guys, with the number two pick. And we talked about it a lot. And Shams came out before the draft. By the way, taking some heat for that because of his uh, relationship or work relationship with FanDuel, where he's a part of their uh, TV channel. But he had that report come out that, um, listen, maybe Charlotte's moving a bit. Maybe they are considering Scoot Henderson, Woj, who does not uh, miss an opportunity to go after Sean was basically setting up that they've always been locked in on Brandon Miller, Uh got booed at the draft party in Charlotte. Uh Brandon, you've been very high on uh, Scoot. You said this guy is should be the second pick in the uh, draft. A lot of the fans in Charlotte agreed with you. Obviously, he went number three. Your thoughts, I mean, that's where the drama kind of began. I mean, that that was really the only uh, drama there at the top of the draft. We knew who would go number one. But your thoughts with Charlotte there.
1: Yeah, I think they made the wrong pick. Uh, I'm a little less mad at it. But now that they got Nick, they ended up getting Nick Smith Jr. at pick 27. And I think that helped a little bit because they got that could be an offensive star in the league, a, a, a one or a two guard. He could play both. But I think when there's a talent such as Scoot Henderson, who's almost the closest thing to a guarantee to be an all-star. I feel like with Wendon Yama, we've seen from a prospect since like a Zion Williamson or a John Morant, you know, that was only a few years back, but guaranteed all-star I I feel like the talent's too too much to pass up now they could have won championships with Scoot Henderson and LaMelo Ball obviously Brandon Miller quote-unquote better fit I guess because he plays the three and you know the coveted position in the NBA that he provides some versatility defensively but the fact of the matter is Brandon Miller has a slow first step that's not going to help him in, in the NBA. We saw it with Jabari Smith Jr. at Summer League last year where Armon was like, "Look, he's talented, but he has a slow first step. He's not explosive." And that killed him to start his, his career in the NBA. And he had a good last two months once he was able to shoot. I just think Brandon Miller's not even not can't sniff Scoot as a prospect. And maybe he has a better career, maybe I'm wrong, but I I just because Scoot's in a bad situation right now in Portland, but I just think that Scoot should have been the pick. I feel like they could have coexisted, both LaMelo Ball and Scoot Henderson. What do you think, Buckets?
3: I agree with that completely. But I feel like, and I don't think, Brandon, you're doing this. I feel like other people have kind of done this. Brandon Miller is still going to be a really good player. It's just Scoot is, as you said, as close to a sure thing as you can probably get, especially at that point guard position. To me, Brandon Miller is going to be similar to Michael Porter Jr. in the way that when Michael Porter Jr. gets the ball, his role is to shoot the ball. And I feel like Brandon Miller, you're not gonna see a lot of playmaking or creation, but I think his shot making is going to be at an elite level. So if you swing it to him, it's going up, and it's probably going in. That's still a valuable thing, a very valuable thing to have in the in the league today, especially if you're doing it above forty percent. But again, Scoot is, you know, the the body type, the pictures that came out a year ago when he was eighteen years old, looking chiseled. It's just you don't see guys built like that, and then with his skill set, it's just yeah, it, it's it's puzzling to see why charlotte would pass up on it and now obviously the chain reaction with portland and you know dame and all that it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out and by the way now uh houston has a similar situation potentially if they bring back james harden you're bringing in vets to a young group with with the thompson twin um it's all going to be fascinating to see how it plays out it from a broader Topic: it goes into the expansion talks where it's like all these teams are now loaded with talent Guides are kind of overlapping in a way i mean houston they have a ton of young guys you want to bring in james harden they have 60 million in cap space so they could potentially bring in three more guys to all the young guys that they already have it's going to be interesting to see how these teams kind of navigate
1: around that well, I also want to note before we go into the next question, like, I think it would be a mistake for Houston to bring back James Harden. I think it would hinder the development of uh, Amon Thompson, who they just drafted, who basically would have to play that position along with Jalen Green. If you get Harden, then Harden would play that position. Amon would come off the bench. And I just don't think that's good for anybody's development. And they're not going to contend, anyways, with James Harden. We see what he turns into a pumpkin in the playoffs. No offense. Great all time player. But it just makes no sense to me.
3: Arash, where are you at in, on current day, James Harden? Do you think you can win yeah, a
2: championship with Harden? I don't as the number one option, and I have a little bit of um, um, hesitancy in thinking that he's going to um, be okay being the number two or three option. You know what I'm saying? I think I think uh, with Russell Westbrook, and I, and I need to caution Clippers fans about this, and we'll talk about this in the next segment with Grant Mona the great sorry the russell westbrook that came to the clippers for example had been so humbled he was basically you know he got you know cut essentially traded cut signed on a veteran minimum deal joined a a contending team at at that point in time so you were getting a player who was no longer the player who was like the guy mr triple double who was the guy with the thunder the guy with houston with washington when he got traded here part of the big three like, if, if he goes back to the Clippers and he, you know, and, and is there at training camp in preseason and they're going to take that picture, it's going to be the big three again. And then is, is he going to think like, because here's the thing the run he had in the postseason without Kawhi and Paul George, you don't want that. Like, here's, I mean, here's the spoiler alert there. He's going to put up great numbers and you're going to be out in the first round. So with James Harden, uh, he is not the, uh, the, the number one guy on a championship team. That being said, I do have to give him to whatever credit he deserves. I mean, he was the guy in Houston let them to the conference finals. That's something, right? But I mean, no, he's not the guy. Um, here's where, when we talk about roles and guys adapting to roles and guys being okay with these roles, as someone who covered Chris Paul very closely and someone who knows him and his personality type, I do not know how this is going to work out. Chris Paul going to the Golden State Warriors. Again, Golden State, obviously, historic backcourt. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Chris needs to be the guy. And and he has always been the guy. He's been... The point guy, he's been the guy who will get in your face. And by the way, this was a big problem with the Clippers for many years. He'd get in Blake Griffin's face, DeAndre Jordan's face. He will get in your face. I mean, Chris Paul's one of those teammates that, like, after a couple of years, if you don't win, and quite frankly, he has not won, um, it kind of wears thin. You're like, shut the blank up. like, okay. um, I mean, Because it's not just in practice that that's one thing. It's publicly. It's, it's on the court. It's on the sideline. I want to get your guys' thoughts here, Armani Buckets, to you first. I mean, when I first heard that that trade, I, I, I was thinking, is he going to get flipped somewhere else? I mean, how does he fit there? I mean, is he the backup point guard? Is he going to be playing alongside these guys? And by the way, Chris Paul, the beginning of the Warriors run, their number one rival was the Clippers. Obviously, that didn't last too long, but... You know, there's no love lost there. Draymond Green has come out publicly before the trade, obviously. You know, I don't like Chris Paul. You, you cannot like Chris Paul. When you're going up against him and he's doing those cheap shots and doing these things, um, it's hard to like him. So how is Chris Paul going to be going into that locker room where it, never in his life, never in his life, Wake Forest, Hornets, Clippers, you go down the list. He's never taken a back seat, and now he really has to. He's never won anything, bro. And now you're gonna come and join the Warriors with again Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. You're gonna come in and tell us how to do our job? No, So First, you put our money buckets. How does that fit?
3: Well, the Draymond quote is very interesting because he flat out said it, as you mentioned, that he doesn't like the guy. Um, I think Chris Paul at this stage has more self-awareness to not come in and infiltrate the locker room and try to take it over, especially a locker room that's so uh, so many years into it as the Warriors are. With that being said, when the when the trade went down and still to this point now, I still feel like It's just to keep the asset, kind of like they did with the D'Angelo Russell uh, move that they made a few years ago, and then they went and flipped Russell for Andrew Wiggins. If you keep Chris Paul and all of a sudden teams strike out in free agency, teams maybe get desperate, they need a point guard, there's going to be some surprising teams this year. And I feel like there is a chance that you can say, okay, we have this guy right here. He doesn't really fit what we do, but how about you give us two of those guys over there that fit what we want in Golden State. And then you take Chris Paul. I feel like that's where it's ultimately headed, but everything, every indication is that Golden State is keeping him and wants him and a part of this uh, locker room and infrastructure. But again, what else are they supposed to say they're not going to just ruin his trade value and say that no he's just you know a temporary piece until we yeah. find something worth 30 million the other part of this is that jordan Poole was a very tough contract to move so oh, yeah. it was kind of a situation where it's like okay we have this guy if we wait any longer his value can continue to plummet. So while we have a trade on the table now,
2: maybe we take it and then we worry about the rest later. And Brandon, you you touched on Yeah. I mean, his value was next to zero after that postseason. It was terrible.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I just don't understand the trade from the Warriors aspect. You trade a guy. I never think it's good to trade a guy when his value is at an all-time low. Now, Jordan Poole was, was due for some development next season, uh, some increase in production we saw when he was the starter he was elite when curry was hurt or when clay was hurt he was great he was averaging well over 20 points per game he was hitting shots and uh, you know if if we're just talking about specifically that I just don't get trading him. I, I yeah. don't at all because he's going to score 25 points per game now with Washington. I'm sure Armand agrees because uh, they really don't have much of a team right now and he just can be the guy and I think we're going to see a lot of development from him and hopefully it's a wake-up call for him and his lack of maturity that he had this past year in Golden State which obviously led to the Draymond incident you know, his his, his disassociation from reality in the playoffs you know, not being a good teammate, not being there, obviously, you saw his teammates didn't like him. I, I would have been prideful and pulled the Lakers and kept him on the team, like with Westbrook, and see if you can get his value up next year. But I don't think Paul – I think Paul makes him worse, to be honest with you guys. like I agree me, with I, you.
2: Yeah, I don't when see this – When team. I saw that trade, it wasn't like – Listen, the, 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 the thing on TV to do is how does this improve their chances? Like, I think it makes them worse.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I I would be surprised if they even make it past the plan next year. That's how good the West is has becoming. Has it's going to
2: be an amazing documentary at some point because with the Warriors run, you kind of have to begin with, you know, the first team that they had and then the move to bring in KD to a 73 win team. But this Jordan Poole Draymond punch, which again, someone within the team recorded it. Someone within the team leaked it. Um, we knew it was bad, obviously, but how that one punch changed the trajectory of the team. And again, here's the thing about the Warriors that's fascinating to me and why it will be a great documentary one day. They've been very public with their with their moves. Remember the KD Draymond incident? sideline on the bench in Los Angeles, going up against the Clippers, very public, right? That was sort of, you saw that in real time and said, well, that's not good. And then because it's sports and these guys have team, you know, players only meetings, they'll figure it out. They did, the seeds were planted at that point. KD was gone. The seeds were certainly planted with that punch. Jordan Poole was gone. Poole, and I want you guys to touch on this, was so key to their success and their championship run that I know the headlines are Curry, Thompson, Draymond Green. Yes, this is no longer a championship team. And one of the reasons why is Jordan Poole was a big reason why they won the championship a couple of years ago. And now he's gone and you're you're replacing him with Chris Paul, who I'm just telling you guys does not fit, does not fit there. And I don't know how that's going to go down, but Brandon, to your point, if they had traded, and they wouldn't of right, but like if they had traded Jordan Poole like after they won the championship, what kind of a haul could they have gotten for a guy like that? Well, an, an incredible haul, an incredible haul. Yeah, um,
1: it, it, I just it, to me, uh, you know, Ross, you're absolutely right. They don't win in pivotal games in the postseason last year, whether that be against Memphis or you know, against the Celtics or even against uh, who they play in the West, uh, the Dallas, Dallas Mavericks. I mean, he led them in a lot of those games and they could have gotten perhaps a a, a Pascal Siakam for Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, right, Armand, at that point, right after the championship, if they truly wanted a big like that, a versatile guy, and perhaps looking back, they should have made that trade.
3: Yeah, (laughs) you guys are going to hate me for this. (laughs) I can't stay level-headed about the Warriors because they still have Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. And we didn't mention, I know, I I get it, I get it. I know I'm in the wrong. I I get it. (laughs) I know I'm in the wrong. But they still have Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney. They could potentially still move Kuminga for something. The thing about rosters nowadays is this is like, you know, you're this is not your final roster. So I still want to see what they look like. But the biggest thing they missed, especially against teams like the Lakers, and if they would have played Denver, is size and physicality to match up with those guys. And they haven't done anything to address that. If anything, they've gone the other direction and added more guards and small guys. Yeah, you need to add some size if you're going to keep Steph and Clay and those guys. But again, we're talking about the Warriors, I feel like if they can figure out their road woes, they're a completely different team, and they put themselves in a position to be more competitive. I don't think that they're as good as Denver or the Lakers or that you know that tier of team. But th- the infrastructure, man, I just can't bet against it, even though it's cost me a few bottles of <laughs> wine and there whatnot. We
2: go. I-, I can't bet against it. I'm sorry. I mean, the, the problem there is that these aren't small things. Like, you know, they're, they're the fact that they couldn't win on the road. Like, like, I don't know if you could flip a switch there. Um, the other thing about it, and I know what you're saying. You know, like, you know, they still have Steph, they still have Clay, they still have Draymond. At some point, those guys are 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 gonna not be themselves. Clay did not look like himself in the postseason. Draymond. May have hit his wall. Curry at some point. Again, he looks so amazing in that game seven against the Kings. But at some point, they're not going to be Le- LeBron James. and we, That's why we do have to appreciate what LeBron has done. I mean, they, they, it's not normal for you to play this way at this point in your career. So we'll see how that all plays out. But a very fascinating draft. Uh, we'll continue talking about that. Also, we'll, we'll talk about the Lakers and the Clippers drafts in particular. When we come back with the Sporting Tribune's Grant Mona, when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network.
0: We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.
1: Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment.
0: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.
2: Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sports Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas at the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 716. Hawaii Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas or Hawaii. Call our Hotline 310 400 0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and join a good friend,
4: Grant Mona of the Sporting Tribune. Grant, how are you? Doing good. Um, the Dodgers actually won a couple series in a row, so I'm actually yeah. feeling pretty good. Yeah. Grant,
2: let's start there. I really loved your takeaways off of this uh, fantastic, memorable series against Houston. Again, no love lost there. However, uh, drama, drama in some of these games, especially... I think it was the second game on Saturday. Uh, how big was this series for the Dodgers?
4: Well, it's, it's good in two ways. You know, First, they played pretty well on the offensive end. That's always what you like to see. But second of all, they played a pretty good team in the Astros, the defending champs, and they took two out of three against them. And the series before, they played the Angels team coming in that was really hot. They had a really good offensive stretch. Their pitching was doing well, and they took two from them as well. So you get two series in a row where the Dodgers actually play pretty good. Their bullpen was really good up until probably this last game. Um, I know that there was kind of a shootout in that Saturday game, but you know they they held their own at least. Um, so you know you could point to a lot of things. You know the pitching was pretty good this weekend. Um, you know in Friday and Saturday they kept the they the offense kept the pitching alive in, in a lot of instances. The offense came back in two of these games to to kind of save the bullpen and. That doesn't mean that there's not issues still. There are still very many issues with that Dodgers bullpen. And even the starting pitching staff, Tony Gonsolin yesterday did not have a good outing. And he's been one of their most consistent starters. So for the Dodgers, if you're looking at the total gist of things, if you're looking at it from an outside point of view, you're going to look at it and say, okay, they won two straight series. But if you're looking at it from from somebody that follows them so much and somebody that, you know, knows what the what the outlook of this team is and and what their expectations are, there are still holes to fix and there are still moves to be made. And I know that a lot of Dodger fans know that as well. Um, I know the front office knows that. But to put together two series wins in a row is is a good step in the right direction. I've been saying this to a lot of people that I talk to about the Dodgers is that in 2021, when the Braves won the World Series, they were worse off than the Dodgers are right now. In 2019, when the Nationals won the World Series, they were much worse off than the Dodgers are right now. Even last year, the Phillies were not as good as they were at the end of the year, and they made a run to the World Series. The Dodgers, I think a lot of us are actually spoiled a little bit, especially Dodger fans. We expect them to be 20 games over 500 at this point. They're still 10, 9, 10 games over 500, which is a lot better than a lot of these teams that made a run to the World Series and made a run to the NL pennant. So there is time. There is a lot of time. There are moves to be made, and I expect them to be made. There's just a lot of expectations for Dodgers fans that you know. in years past at this point, there are 15 games up in the NL West, but that's just not going to be the case this year.
2: Let's, um, you know, we talked a lot about the draft in the first segment and I want to continue that because we really talked about the uh, top of that draft and some of the moves really quick grant I know you'll appreciate this because I was covering those Clippers games back in the day when the Warriors were just beginning their run and as you remember their number one rival was the Clippers and Chris Paul uh, hated the Warriors and I think the Warriors would agree that they didn't like Chris Paul. How surreal is it to see Chris Paul with the Golden State Warriors.
4: Uh, it just doesn't look great to see him in, in blue and in gold. It's just I don't know something's off about it. And you know when when this trade happened, first of all, my my first thought was why did the Warriors give up so much capital to get an aging Chris Paul that doesn't really fit into their system? I always thought that. And then, you know, as I've listened to conversations around the NBA more and more, I I kind of see what the Warriors were maybe thinking. I don't know why they gave up. I still don't know why they gave up so much. They gave up two of their young players, plus Jordan Poole, who I think is probably going to lead the league in scoring or at least attempts per game for the for the Wizards next year, plus draft capital. It's a win for the Wizards. I'm very happy for them because I think that they can have a, a pretty good you know future now but in terms of the warriors seeing a guy like chris paul who we you know he loves to play a, a half court offense he loves he i think he's the most used in a pick and roll in the nba the point guard that uses the pick and roll the most Um, so the, the Warriors, they're going to have to, I don't think they're going to change the way they play. Chris Paul is going to have to change the way he plays. And in terms of basketball fit, I don't see how it fits in with the starting lineup. Now, if they were to bring Chris Paul off the bench and have him lead that second unit, that makes a lot of sense, but I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think they're going to use Chris Paul as the point guard, you know, have Steph Curry and all these guys play off the ball. And I all signs are pointing to Draymond Green re-signing at this point, I think. I think he has, he's just gonna restructure his deal. I know the Kings were looking at him and you know the Lakers had had some rumors there, but in terms of the f- basketball fit, I don't like it. In terms of the the eye test, I don't like seeing Chris Paul in those <laughs> colors because I know what the Warriors did to the Clippers over the years. They wow. after that 2014-2015, you know, first round where the Clippers won in seven games after the Donald Sterling incident. There was really no success for the Clippers against the yeah. Warriors, and, and Chris Paul knows that, I think. So uh, he's going to winning or organization, but you know it's just so weird to see him in those colors.
2: For the longest time, the last Western Conference team to beat the Warriors in the postseason was the Clippers. Again, they had this amazing run where, yes, they lost to Cleveland in the finals. Yes, they lost to Toronto in the finals. And yes, they didn't make the playoffs for a couple of years. But yes, yeah, so the Clippers, for a long time, were the last Western Conference team to beat the Warriors. Before the Lakers did so this year, Brandon, he did a great job of grading the drafts. Again, the the, uh, two uh, local teams here in Los Angeles, the Lakers and the Clippers did not have high draft picks. The Lakers, however, have historically not only drafted well, but I I don't know if you guys want to touch on some of the players that they signed post-draft that that's getting a ton of uh, hype too. Um, Real quick, Brandon, uh, your thoughts on both of their uh, drafts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. First off, the Lakers draft, uh, I thought was great because of Maxwell Lewis at 40. Now, I wasn't too high on Jalen Hood, Fifino Obviously, Jake was pretty high on him. Um, I think he can be good. I don't know if that necessarily was the pick uh, for right now to go win the championship next year. But, you know, I have faith in the Lakers scouting department. They really haven't missed in years. So, I mean, I, they had a great draft. And obviously, the kid, uh, the center from Florida, they got as a two-way is a great rim protector and, and can score inside. So I think he'll be on the roster next year and they'll use him as the backup uh, instead of Mo Bamba, who's obviously going to leave. And, uh, you know, hopefully they cut Lenny and Gabriel because uh, he can't play in the NBA, no offense. Um, but, <laughs> I you, know, he, you can't
2: play, no offense. But you're, <laughs> I'm, just uh, joking, I'm just joking.
1: Yeah, yeah, he just can't. I mean, he's a high energy guy, he's a nice guy, but he really does nothing to contribute to winning. And I hate to say it. Um, And for the Clippers side, I actually think they had an underrated draft. A lot of fans were unhappy they didn't take Leonard Miller. And I'm like, Leonard Miller is 18, 19, and he is a huge boom-bust guy. That's not who the Clippers need if they're intent on keeping Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They got Kobe Brown, who single-handedly put Missouri on his back in the NCAA tournament and in the SEC tournament. And this is a guy who could play small ball center, which is what they want. They needed a small ball center and a guy who could, you know, give some versatility with shooting, with scoring. And he's a big body that can defend a little bit. That was an excellent pick. And then Jordan Miller was an even better pick. This was a guy who single-handedly with Isaiah Walker, led Miami to the final four and had a perfect 27-point game in the Elite Eight against Texas. This is a three-level score, not the greatest defender, but definitely a rotational piece. So when I look at the Clippers draft, I, I gave them a B plus because I'm like, these are two guys that'll be in the rotation right away that can help them win and contribute to winning. So that's why I, I like the direction they went in. A lot of people said, oh, get younger guys with upside. No. The Lakers, I'm still a little confused about the Hood Shafino pick, but Maxwell Lewis, six foot-seven sniper, who plays kind of like a baby Brandon Ingram a little bit with the way he can get to his spots and create in the mid-range and from behind the
2: arc. Armani buckets real quick. Did you uh, like any of those picks? to took pick out to you again, the Lakers are one of those teams where like, even if I don't agree with the pick, I mean, I just have to trust them at this point.
3: Yeah, no, I agree with Brandon completely. I think that that Maxwell Lewis pick, especially the fact that they jumped from 47 to 40, which tells you that they definitely had their eyes on someone. And, and you assume that it was Lewis Um, he looks like a guy that now I think we should temper our expectations a little bit because we saw what happened with Max Christie, Cole Swider last year, probably a season with South Bay, maybe a few reps with the big league squad, getting them ready. But yeah, for the future, I like both of them. I like Hood Shafino's ability to make others around him better, or at least his feel for the game. It seems like he's going to be a developmental piece as well, where it's going to take some time, but I see. I see the vision with with their picks, and as we've said, we cannot discount the Lakers' scouting department. It seems like they
2: may have the best scouting department in the league. By the way, the thing I love about that, and uh, we may have a story about uh, them coming up in uh, at the summer league. But the Bus family gets a lot of grief, right? You know, Dr. Jerry Bus, uh, you know, passes over the the team to his daughter Jeannie. What Joey and Jesse have done in the scouting department is really remarkable. I mean, generally speaking, uh, you know, when you get, when you get that job, you are thought, well, you only got that job because you're his son. And obviously that's how they got the job. And they've done a remarkable job. And uh, we'll talk about this more as we get closer to the season. I'm very excited for Brandon and Grant to be providing courtside coverage this upcoming season for the South Bay Lakers. So, you know, you, you guys are going to really see uh, these guys develop, um, you know, and we'll see, um, you know, how much they played this upcoming season. Um, Grant, with with the Clippers, again, I, when we talk about them, we're not really focused on the draft. I think a lot of talk uh, prior to the draft was that the Clippers dipped their toes into the trade market for Paul George. What I didn't like about that is uh, the, the reports obviously got out. Uh, Paul George is probably, I'm assuming, not thrilled about that. I mean, what, what do you think the thought process was there? Again, we never thought that they would actually trade him but that that they were, I don't want to say public, but that kind of leaked that they had actually made calls about Paul George.
4: Yeah, there's there's a lot of conflicting reports, obviously, you know, around this time of year, you get a lot of reports that conflict each other. And then you get a, get a lot of reports that you'll kind of coincide with each other. And a lot of the talk has been that the Clippers were actively shopping him and actively talking to other teams about him. I don't know if that was to engage in interest see what his value is see what they could maybe get back for it I think that's more of what it was I don't know if it was the Clippers putting Paul George out there maybe it was other teams calling in because I know the Knicks were linked to him the Trailblazers were linked to him for that third pick and if you're the Clippers I know if Lawrence Frank came out in the, the post draft press conference with uh with their new GM and he said you know we're going to try to build around Kawhi and Paul George and you know we're, we're still going to try to develop everything around them and you know what that, that I don't know if I can take that 100% just because we just saw Mike Dunleavy, the new Warriors GM, say the same thing about Jordan Poole and literally the same day he traded him to the Warriors. So, you know, I, I don't know if there's a lot of truth to that. I know that at a certain point you have to get frustrated with the direction that this clippers team is going especially this core and it's been four years of of and three of them have been injury ridden and you know for an organization that is all about winning with steve ballmer and that just wants to win and wants to get that title i can see why they may want to go into a fresher and new, newer direction but they do have an arena to fill in <laughs> next yeah. year and they do have to have that star power going into that arena and you know, Lawrence Frank said in that uh, that post uh, draft press conference is that they want to get younger. They know this new CBA is not going to be kind to them. They are already in the luxury tax by a wide margin. They don't even have the, that much money to sign Russell Westbrook back. I think they can only offer him three point eight million dollars. So they don't have a lot of financial flexibility. They tried to move Marcus Morris off, and obviously that didn't go through, <laughs> um, much to the disgrunt of, of Clipper fans. I know a lot of guys <laughs> didn't like that, but um, you know, there's a lot of options that they need to figure out now with this new CBA where... Yo, you're going to have a PG and Kawhi contract extension after this year. You're going to have to decide, do you want to go long-term with those guys? Do you want to go to a two-year deal? I don't know if those guys want that. So there's going to be a lot of talk about what they do financially, but I think that's what it was, is that they know these contract extensions are coming up. They know their window is probably closed or it's barely open. That window is barely open. So they got a lot of decisions to make. I think the front office is exploring all possibilities right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about this is that this is their last year at crypto.com. Again, the Intuit dome is really coming together so quickly. Uh, The press got a tour of it during the uh, draft. Looks amazing. So that'll be good to go for next season, uh, October 2024. So this will be their last year here. And Grant, we keep talking about it, that, that that it is really important for them to go into that new facility with a championship contending team. So it's, you know, the some decisions that may make sense uh, from a basketball perspective, I do think that they have to say, listen, we, we do need a couple of superstars. But at some point, and GA is the perfect example of this, and I don't know how you feel, Grant, if this team flames out again, or if they have a great season and then you get to the postseason and some combination of Kawhi and or Paul George get hurt and you get bounced in the first round. Like, I don't know the excitement level for Clipper fans to run it back one more time um, just because, hey, it's the Intuit Dome and we need to sell, like, Kawhi jerseys and Paul George jerseys. Like, at some point, and you may be there now, how do you feel about this team? Again, because we're, we're going to say this and we keep saying it on paper. If they stay healthy, one of, if not the most talented teams in the league. But my goodness, Grant, they haven't been healthy since 2020.
4: Yeah, you know, I think a lot of Clipper fans don't really care about the new arena being filled. I think they just want a winning team. And I know a lot of real Clipper fans that just don't really care about what it takes, just get it done. And, there, you know, this last season was one of the most disappointing seasons in Clippers history. You had a lot of people picking them as title favorites. Myself, Brandon included, we thought that they could get it done this year. And yet again, they let let people down. They let the fans down. I don't know if those two guys know that. There, there's been no real, you know, talk of, you know, because Kawhi's is a quiet guy. Paul George has the podcast, which he skipped this week, by the way. Oh. I don't know if that's because of the trade rumors or whatever. Maybe he's just on vacation, but... You know, there's a lot of people that are almost completely out on this core. You know, They want to trade Paul George for that third pick. They wanted to trade Paul George for a package and a three-team deal. There's a lot of people that are just out on this core already, and I don't think the front office is yet. I don't think they're out on you know spending a lot of money with this core to get it done. I think they're just going to ride it through, and whether that may be the right decision, I don't know. I don't think it's the right decision. I think they should have gone younger. You know, try to extend Kawhi's last bit of his prime. He's actually younger than Paul George, so he, yeah. you know, say what you want about his injuries, he's younger and he still has that top five player in the NBA ability. I would have done the trade just to make sure that you have flexibility in the future. And I, I'm curious to see what Armon thinks because Armon is very smart with his basketball stuff, and I know <laughs> that he's been following this Clippers stuff a lot. I. <laughs> The thing is,
3: I don't don't care about the new facility either. And obviously, that's easy to say as a non-Clipper fan. But I would do what's best for the future of the franchise. And I don't think that being a championship contender with this group anymore is that feasible. Now, I do think it's possible. But how many years are we going to repeat the same cycle? And we know what the definition of insanity is. You all know that, right? The definition <laughs> of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And yeah. that's just, it's been a common theme with this group. I would look seriously at Paul George trades because I don't think Kawhi has a lot of value around the league right now. Um, and then when it comes to contract extension, if they don't want anything more than a short term, or if they don't accept a short term deal, fine, I'm sorry, but goodbye. Like that, I'm not going to lock you in for three or four more years when I can't even count on you from year to year my question for you Grant was going to be about the Western Conference as a whole last year we saw Sacramento come out of nowhere and you know finish as a top seed in the West who do you think that team is this year that's going to sneak up and surprise some people
4: the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think the Oklahoma City Thunder are building something extremely great down there. And the fact that they even made the play in last year was a kind of a surprise to people. I always thought they had the talent, but I didn't think they haven't they had enough last year to get to the play in. And they did. And they won a game in that play. And they knocked out the New Orleans Pelicans, who were the one seed for a lot of the year, a good part of the, the early year. So I think the Thunder, look, they're getting Chet Holmgren back. They get another couple draft picks. Um, Jalen Williams is probably going to take another step. They already have a bonafide all-NBA guy in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. If you want a contender, you have to have at least one of those, and they have them. Um, you know they have Kenrich Williams back who they really missed last year at the end of the season. He was a big part of what they did. You have a core there where it's you're looking at it and it's like this could be a juggernaut in a few years. I'm not saying they're going to be that next year, but I think that they're going to be a solid playoff team, like a team that is top 6 avoiding the play-in i think they can be that that kind of potential just because of look at what they did last year now they have playing experience this is why i always say young teams should always go for that play-in spot because now you have that experience to go into the playoffs and you know what that environment's like especially they went on the road twice so i think it's oklahoma city thunder for me
2: yeah by the way i know we don't and you guys don't care about the new facility and the arena and things like that and i get that However, the Clippers have a very hard time selling tickets, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, I'll give you an example, Grant, and I don't know if you've encountered this as well, because I, I know you went to that event where Paul George spoke at the forum. I applied for that event. Uh, like, I, I put my name. I, I couldn't make it. What happens when you apply for that event is they have your number. I get a call at least once a month from the Clippers, and this was during the postseason, by the way. Hey, great tickets, great tickets. We love to have you at – I mean, the – couldn't give these tickets away. And we'll talk about that some more because I, I, I say that as someone who wants the Clippers to do well here. We're, we're, we're in sports. We, we want these teams to do well. They are trying to sell these suites and luxury boxes and tickets and all that good stuff. So we'll talk about that some more um, next time. But uh, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markanzi saying stay safe,
0: stay healthy. <laughs> This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Everybody in your crew
1: identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McKrispie Sandwich, but you're the Filet-O-Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce,
0: that melty cheese, that pillowy bun—yeah, you get it every time.
3: And if you love the filet o' fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single
1: item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba.
3: You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks.